From the band that brought you such critically acclaimed and listener-lauded records as Respect in You and Respect in Yule comes the brand new album Respect in You, recorded in front of a live studio audience at Greenwich House Music School and available beginning Tuesday, April 14. Head on over to respectsextet.bandcamp.com to download this and many other Respect titles, including the also brand new Respect Trios album, Respect the Trio, we says. The Jazz Session listeners can use the discount code TJS to get 10% off your total or these expressions are not necessarily those Jason Jazz Session for not Respect and you. I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 451 for April 13th, 2015. On today's show, we catch up with trombonists Nat Cressman and Emily Asher and saxophonist Angela Davis. Are you a member of the Jazz Session? For just five bucks a month, you get MP3s and other exclusive content, and your $5 goes directly toward keeping the extensive archives of the Jazz Session online so you have access whenever you want. More than 450 episodes, all there for you for free whenever you like. Please help me keep them there with your $5 a month contribution. If you listen to this show in iTunes, please rate and review the show, which helps it become more visible to other people who might like the Jazz Session. If you're into stand-up comedy, I've got another podcast at firstlaughs.com. It comes out once a week and features excerpts from my stand-up performances and interviews with comedians about how they got their start. Don't forget to check out my blog at jasoncrane.org for poetry and essays, and visit cranewrites.com if you're an artist or a musician who's in need of a press release or some text for your website, maybe some liner notes for your new album, cranewrites.com, and I'll do it for you quickly. Natalie Cressman, Emily Asher, and Angela Davis were all on the show fairly recently, and since that time, they've all released new albums. Uh, let's start out with Natalie. She's got a new album called Turn the Sea, which actually is the oldest of these three records, uh, but is really wonderful and well worth your time. Here's an excerpt from Turn the Sea, and then my conversation with Natalie Cressman. <laughs> Chase me down a dimly lit stairway Place your bets on a fool's dream Feel the spurn handed right back to you See the dream strip out of both your eyes Your face silent, your lips just like a ghost town Mirrors mine a moon ago I thought I'd unstitch my heart from your sleep Oh, how I was wrong But you can't turn the ocean on its back Storm in the eye from afar Disarmed by a wind with a white flag I woke with my heart on your arm 
My guest is trombonist and vocalist Natalie Cressman. She has been on the show before, and since then, she's released another really fantastic album called Turn the Sea and just been everywhere playing with everybody. It's great to have you back on the show, Natalie. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, this, this album is an album that you've been now playing for quite a while and playing this music in concert, but will you uh, tell us something about Turn the Sea, which is uh, I really love. I think it's a great record. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, um, it's been out for about a year now. Um, and yeah, we do still play a lot of the music um, when we play live. And it was, um, it kind of was a, represented a shift for me because my first album had maybe like two original like vocal tracks. Um, and then this whole, this whole album, Turn the Sea, was kind of centered around the story and, and vocals kind of take, taking the kind of lead role. Um, in a different way than than my first album, and and that was just a really fun exploration and kind of getting to geek out on like word painting with like textures and 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 horn parts and stuff. So everything was kind of dictated by more more so by the lyrics and the melody um, than anything else. Um, and it's kind of in like a you know in a cross point of many different genres. It's definitely got one foot in in jazz and. Um, and it, but it also touches on, you know, singer songwriter kind of indie rock and world music um, are are some other um, influences there. And it, it, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint where it actually lies in terms of a genre. But, um, you know, some of my favorite music does that. Um, so I, you know, kind of embodied that. You yeah, know. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, uh, there's, now that there aren't record stores anymore, we don't really need labels, it doesn't seem like. So. Mm-hmm. I just love being kind of, I, I love incorporating different elements of several different genres because um, I'm just, I have a really eclectic taste in music. So it definitely has a little bit of that to it, <laughs> for sure. And in the in the year since this album has come out and since you've been performing this music and, and other new music you've been writing, since this record f- uh, kind of focused more heavily on original songwriting or original vocal songwriting, has that changed the way that your stage performances have been? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we actually have started to kind of play non-jazz venues and festivals, and I've been really surprised and kind of inspired by kind of the non-jazz audience's reaction to the music, because I think with the inclusion of a story or, or like, you know, a, a hook or a chorus that's kind of memorable, it's all of a sudden kind of touching people that I wouldn't have expected um, would necessarily like my music um and you know part of my work in like the jam band scene has brought my solo project kind of in front of that audience we played a couple festivals and a couple you know more um kind of genre open venues um since turn the sea came out and so it's kind of exposed our music to like a a different demographic in a way um like one one particular show comes to mind we were at cafe 939 in boston and We'd gotten a write-up in the Boston Globe, so there was, you know, a kind of older jazz looking, looked like kind of an, an older demographic jazz audience. And then there were these young kind of Berkeley students that were, you know, up front, like having a great time. And then also kind of the jam band crowd was in there, too. And these three different, you know, very distinct demographics all kind of taking what they want from the music and, and responding to it in a in a great way. So that was kind of a cool cool thing for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's not like people aren't used to hearing improvised solos in popular music. It's just I think that a lot of the times the jazz world doesn't do a good job of marketing itself. But I mean, people have been listening to the dead for years or, you know, to 
to so many uh, blues-inspired guitarists, I mean, from kind of Clapton onwards. And people are used to hearing folks play play solos and stretch out on songs. It's just that I think when we put the label jazz on it, a lot of people kind of back away slowly. Right. And it seems like you're doing a good job of not scaring people away, which is half the battle. Part of that is just who I am as a writer and, and the kind of music I like isn't all based in jazz. So those elements come through and make it kind of more approachable in a way. Um, but also it's kind of a conscious decision because I really um, I firmly believe that if um, you present kind of create like more, you know, harmonic depth and you just tuck it in with something that's that's really accessible, I, I think people really do respond to it. It, it can be jazz influence, but um, but I think that there are elements of jazz that can appeal to my generation that can appeal to um, more of a mainstream audience today and so part of what I do with my music is conscious to try and and kind of let more people in on on the musical world that I live in um, and not try to overcomplicate things to the point where you start losing people and uh, you know this model has worked in the past and 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 I mean this next thing as a compliment I think one of the people who did it most successfully and someone who unfortunately has been in the news recently because she's she's been ailing uh, is Joni Mitchell I mean who had great jazz artists playing and touring with her, playing on her records, and yet still maintained a huge kind of like pop and folk audience during that whole time. And there was lots of stretching out on those records, lots of stretching out on those concerts, and it still maintained its essential kind of Joni quality. And that was part of what was great about it, I think. Yeah, man, she's my kind of my role model. So <laughs> you kind of hit the nail right on the head. Um, yeah, some of her later albums that are, are kind of jazz influenced, I really love that. And I think it's still she's still being 100 percent true to herself, but she's just letting other elements and textures in um, that kind of, you know, occupy make it make her music occupy a really unique space. Um, and some of those albums have really kind of influenced me, like Don, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter and and Hajira stuff with all the stuff with Jocko and, and Wayne Shorter on it. You know, that stuff is my favorite. <laughs> My yeah, mine too. Still. <laughs> uh, you seem to be one of the, the busier musicians that I uh, keep track of online. Uh, will you tell folks about the some of the many projects that you're currently involved in? Yeah, man, it's, it's hard to keep track right now because I, I, my main thing is I, I tour with Trey Anastasio, but we actually haven't been working so far in 2015. So it's been so much freelancing, um, lots of different kind of super jams with um, various amazing musicians and the the funk and jam community. Um, I was just at Brooklyn Bowl the last two days with Dumpster Funk, which is like a great New Orleans funk band that's been around for a really long time. And um, and then I've, I'm in this band Jesus on the Main Line, which is a, a bunch of my friends from Manhattan School of Music that we're playing some shows coming up. And and then, you know, and in in whenever I have some time to put together stuff with my own band, um, we do that. And we're, we're playing at the Blue Note next month or this month. It's April already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, and we've yeah, got tell to, folks when that is, because this will I, I'm pretty sure this will come out before that gig. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, April 18th at the Blue Note um, late night on a Saturday um, following Roy Hargrove, which I'm super stoked about. Wow. Um, yeah. And then and then we've got a little Northeast tour in June where we're going up to Burlington, Vermont for their jazz fest and um, going to Portsmouth, New Hampshire and uh, Lake Placid. So oh, that's great. Coming up in the hey. cracks of, <laughs> of New Orleans Jazz Fest and all this other stuff that I'm doing. 
And uh, you have featured in one way or another in two recent episodes of the Jazz Session. Uh, you are part of Peter Applebaum's uh, Sparkler band. Oh my god, I can't even believe that I left that out because that is my favorite band to play in right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty a pretty amazing project. And for folks who want to know all about that band, uh, Peter was on the show uh, about a month ago, and uh, and you can hear that whole interview. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a really fun band, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that record. And then. Uh, because I watched uh, an online performance of yours, I was introduced to the guitarist Mike Bono, uh, who was just on an episode a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, so thank you very much for that. And he's Hi. someone with whom you've been playing a fair amount recently. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we've been collaborating a lot. Um, we, yeah, as much as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just really nice to, to kind of write songs with somebody and um, and and kind of break it down to a duo setting. So, we've been doing these like online um, um, concert streams and played at Rockwood last month and um actually he's gonna come out to the west coast this summer I've got like a little a couple full band shows but we're gonna do some duo shows there out there too um he's just such a really such a talented guitarist and composer and it's it's really fun collaborating and and the, the music that comes out is just kind of really unique by just because our musical minds together just kind of create something just kind of unexpected I think in some ways. Yeah, I agree. I, and, and I recommend that folks uh, folks check you two out whenever they can. Well, it's it's great to hear so many good things happening for you. Are we going to get another uh, Natalie Cressman studio record sometime yeah. in your future? Um, we're, yeah, I'm working on an EP right now. Um, I'm not sure when it will be out, but it's in the in the, you know, in the process of, of recording it. But um, it'll be really different, um, kind of incorporating some um, – textural and aesthetic influences from like electronic music so the production oh, side of things will be wildly different but it's still like my songwriting so it, it's fun it's been it's been like an exploration um so it's taking a little while a little longer to come together because it's just such a shift but but um probably by this time next year definitely by this time next year it'll be out well, Natalie Cressman, it is always great to talk to you and to hear your music, and uh, I wish you all the success in the world, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us again. Oh, thanks so much. It was great talking to you. Careful not to let it show Keep the wreckage down below Don't be blinded by the light Keep the shore within your sight You came and crashed into my arms Broke me down with rippling waves Turned my phone into a sea Walked on water, you walked all over me Deep for you to find Stolen away Stolen away Stolen away Stolen, 
That was music from Natalie Cressman, and now we turn to another trombone player, Emily Asher. She was on the show, I think, last year, and she has also released a brand new album. Uh, it's a really lovely album, and in fact, it's visually lovely, too. Very stunning artwork. Here's an excerpt from that record, and then we'll talk to Emily. I've heard more bad news than any girl should have to bear. I've written the blues more times than Bessie Smith would dare. I see more skies of gray are coming my way. This time I won't fight them, I'll come out to This is an open invitation to a rainstorm A giant flood of every drop that our clouds hold A welcome mat, the old dipped hat, red carpet unrolled Let it shower upon my face, knock old perceptions out of place This is an open invitation to a rainstorm of what I know and once believed Let it fill up cups once empty And wash out horns of plenty But I will never wish again for drier guest is Emily Asher. She's been on the show before, and she's back because of a brand new album called Meet Me in the Morning. Welcome back to the jazz session, Emily. Well, thank you. It's very nice to be back. So, uh, this might be a strange place to start, but can you say something about the cover art of this album, which is really, really gorgeous? Yeah, this, um, my mom did it, and uh, it was inspired by a an image that was similar that I found when I was looking for inspiration. Uh, And so I just sent it to my mom and I said, I kind of want to do something like this. And she said, well, I've been wanting to learn the Illustrator program. And so let me see if I can figure out how to use the program. (laughs) And so uh, she drew all of the image like she drew all the lines just with a pen freehand and then scanned it into Illustrator and then did all the layers and taught herself the program while she was designing this artwork. So this was your mom's so, uh, first attempt? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's a, she's a professional artist, but she's never, she's never worked with the Illustrator program. So yeah. This is her first kind of well, thing. So I, I think she figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> it's a wonderful piece of art. Why why did this art speak to you 
uh, for this recording or just in general? Well, I I like the colors, um, and that that's that's a, a part. Of it. It's just pleasing to my eye. The um, the girl on it is sort of inspired by a photo of me when I was um, I think fourteen or something. Um, I looked my head and hair and stuff looked kind of like that. And then I I was thinking about the title "Meet Me in the Morning" and thinking about um, just the process of discovery um, and the song Meet Me in the Morning deals with coming to terms with yourself and in this case like people who go I was in New Orleans and I was thinking about the people who go to bars there um, and do all sorts of other things that they wouldn't normally do in their regular life you know and they go and sort of lose themselves and get wasted on all sorts of things but and I was saying to a friend of mine I said I just couldn't do that because I'd still have to meet me in the morning. And uh, so we looked at each other and it was like, okay, who's going to write that song first? And uh, so this, I just want, I wanted something that was, um, just was about looking into the future, coming, coming into oneself um, and discovering things. So yeah, it's a, and, and just having the New York, background there and then there's a little kitty and the, there's a bass class hidden in the grass there too so <laughs> I just got to design whatever things were close to my heart uh, within the artworks It sounds like there's a little more personal exploration on Meet Me in the Morning than may have been the case in the past, is that fair? Yeah, definitely Yeah, the, the whole album um, it was my goal to write more music, to have an album that was half original um, and yeah, there's definitely exploration and sort of trying, trying to define my voice or, or maybe undefine my voice. What is that blur or just sort of, um, broaden the sound, uh, uh my, my voice and, and discovery a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Is that, is that something you feel like you're just at the point in your career where, it's it's time to do that where you feel like you're in a place where you have the kind of have the tools to do that too. No, it's more because when I sat down to start writing music, uh, or I didn't even sit down to start writing it. When the melodies that were coming into my mind were coming, I didn't really have control over what genre or what style necessarily they would come out in, and so. Um, I think it's more of a subconscious thing uh, that these these melodies and these tunes just came out in a very genuine and sort of earnest way. Uh, and they're not traditional jazz songs. Uh, I don't think that they're far off. Um, I think that they're definitely inspired. But um, I think just by writing music, it has forced me to take all of the things all the musical influences that I have and uh, just sort of sift through them or, or use them to develop these new songs. I'm not, I'm not really sure what's going on, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just following what feels like I really need to do. I mean, it's just, it's, this is the music that's come out of me. And it's interesting that there was self-discovery happening before it and then writing it. And now almost analyzing it in hindsight and going, okay, well, 
where is my voice going? Because I, I can't, I can't have planned exactly how this was going to go. Yeah, just the way you can't plan how your children are going to look, I think. Well, I mean, in, in some ways, that seems like one of the best ways to be doing something creative is just to be following whatever your muse is telling you to do at that moment. Yeah, well, I hope so, because it's definitely happening. <laughs> so is the is the Garden Party band uh, largely the same from previous recordings? Yeah, this one is exactly the same as the Carnival of Joy. Uh, one before and then has a little bit of carryover from my first from the dreams may take you album um but it's yeah it's the same guys who were on carnival of joy the hoagie carmichael ep that i did and uh in terms of uh performing the music from this album are you going to be getting a chance to to tour around yeah we've done um we've played it We've played some of the music. I mean, it's become part of our repertoire, but the the official release date has been set as June 7th, uh, and that's going to happen at Joe's Pub, uh, which I'm excited about. So between now and then, um, we have a, a few things, but, I've, but that's part of now setting that official release date. It's like I'm, I'm going to set more dates in between um, including we've got a we've got another West Coast tour coming up at the end of this month and the beginning of next month. So we're doing a few things in Portland and Seattle. Oh, that's great. So yes, we will continue to continue to work with this material. And is the is the East Coast band traveling west or is are you using a West Coast band when you're out on that tour? Well, this tour, in the past couple tours, it's been all East Coast guys, um, but three of us in Garden Party are from Seattle originally, Right. and that's Jay, Jay Lepley, the drummer, and Mike Davis, the trumpet player, um, and myself. So, And then we've brought the other guys out there. This time I'm using a reed player from Seattle named Jacob Zimmerman and a piano player named Jake Svensson, and both of those guys live out in Seattle. Um, but the rest of us are going out there, Rob Adkins and I and, and Mike and Jay. So, um, and yeah, besides... it's, it's not a super financially brilliant model to take them <laughs> out there, but it sure is nice to have consistency, you know, and the people who were really part of making this record. And my band is so important to me. Um, I don't like playing with pickup bands. Uh, it's, it's just a very different experience. And you all have played together so much now that, I mean, it, it, my guess is you've built something that there's just no way to replicate it without just the time right. that you spent on stage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, in the van. Right, right exactly. So uh, <laughs> outside of Meet Me in the Morning, uh, what else is going on in your creative life these days? Well, I just did a Banff residency up at the Banff Center in Alberta, um, and that was with the trio, my um, endangered species trio, which is the bass sax and accordion um, combination with with trombone. Uh, and so we, we, it was a year ago that that band started, and we recorded an EP, and I wasn't sure whether to release it. So we did 
have those pressed and have done a little bit of touring. Uh, but then this time in Banff, we spent two weeks there as a band, and then I spent the third week there um, myself as an independent resident. Uh, and so we got to write a bunch of music and play it every day. Uh, so we got a few hours of rehearsal time in and were able to learn some of Rob Reich's new music that he wrote there. And Tom did some transcriptions of some classical pieces for us, including some Dvorak. And uh, I wrote several new tunes. So we were able to really start to develop that trio sound and get beyond the traditional jazz repertoire and sort of Americana repertoire that we were working with before and uh, just develop our sound and play together. And I'm hoping that that group can do some touring to folk festivals and do some chamber music kind of things. It's just, it's a challenge because Rob lives in California and uh, Tom and I are here. So that's that's right now on my radar of how to book that group as well as touring with um, with Garden Party and just my own sort of study stuff. But I'm I'm pretty pretty busy with those <laughs> two projects coming up here. Yeah, and I really loved that EP. So I would definitely like to hear more of Endangered Species. You know, a full length record and and opportunities to see you guys live. I just I think it's a really fabulous band. So I wish you the best on that. Cool. Thank you. Emily, it's great to hear about everything that's happening with you. Uh, I wish you all the best in the future, and thanks so much for doing the show again. Thank you, Jason. It's my pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Stiff shot of whiskey and a three-dollar My friends and my family don't know that I am here I'll drown all my sorrow to escape from tomorrow But I'll still have to meet me in the morning Me and my barstool make a pretty good pair I just met a glass I can tell all my cares I've let down my defenses While losing my senses And I stumble to meet me in the morning I'll make new friends That's music from Emily Asher And now the final guest on today's Catching Up With show, Angela Davis. She's released a new quartet record with a jazz quartet and a string quartet. Here's some music from that.
Angela Davis is back on the show. She's got a, a brand new record out called Lady Luck, which features a string quartet and a jazz quartet. And Angela, welcome back to the jazz session. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, let's start with the backstory first, which is how this record got to be made in the first place. Okay. Uh, well, it's actually a funny thing that I thought of the other day. I remember on our first interview on the jazz session, I, you asked me, you know, what would I like to do next? And I remember saying to you that I'd love to do an album with strings. I remember uh, that too. Yeah. Um, and, well, I, I actually applied for a bursary called the Empire Theatres Foundation, um, which is an Australian bursary, um, and I was lucky enough to receive it and, and get the funding to make the album. Is a bursary what we would call a grant? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so you put in a proposal for a project or, you know, if you want to go to school or something like that. Um, yeah, and I, I was lucky enough to get that, that award, which was very exciting because then I, you know, I had the funding to do a project like this, which I don't think would have happened – uh, well, it definitely wouldn't have happened without that funding because, you know, so many musicians and, yeah, it's it's a, a big undertaking. But, uh, yeah, I was so excited when I found out that I could do it. Um, and so I received that at the start of um, 2014 um, and then, you know, put everything together and we recorded in September um, of that year. And when you put in the application for the grant, how – how specific was this project in your mind? How fleshed out was it already by the time you had to write down the grant proposal? Um, well, you know, I had to put in a, a budget proposal as well and, and, you know, how much each musician would cost. So I, I knew I wanted to record with Dan Tepfer and I'd, I'd actually contacted him before I submitted the proposal to see if he, you know, if he was willing to do it with me. Um, so it was very detailed actually, you know, down to the the studio and – you know, to, you know, all the costs involved and everything. Um, but uh, I guess the only thing that wasn't really detailed was the repertoire, which I figured out afterwards. So talk about that. How did you decide once you finally had the chance to do this record what it was you were going to play? Um, well, I guess I always like to start composing first um, and let that kind of direct me or, you know, take me in the direction I want to go. Um, and so I have three original uh, compositions on the album, um, another contrafact um, over the – it's called um, A Thousand Feet from Bergen Street, which is another funny story. Um, but that's a contrafact written over Bernie's tune. Um, and a, a contrafact, just for folks who don't know, is a, a song written over the changes of another song, right? The chord progression of another song. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I wrote three tunes, and then I knew I wanted to include some standards as well. Um but, you know, writing the tunes first kind of put me in the direction I was going. Um, and I guess all of the tunes on the record really mean something to me where, you know, it could be the lyrics or, you know, if I've played it previously. Um, you know, I in my family I'm known to be very lucky. Um, it's kind of an in-house joke with my family. Um, and I, I really love the tune Lady Luck. And so that's, you know, where the, the album title came from as well. Uh, so tell us the story of A Thousand Feet from Bergen Street. Uh, well, actually, uh, I'd already written the tune, obviously, before the recording session, but I didn't have a name for it. Um, and I had two sessions, uh, sorry, two days booked in at Systems 2 in Brooklyn. And, you know, I'm always really early to everything. I just, 
I can never be late. And so I left pretty early that morning from my house to go on the subway to get to the studio. And actually, just before the Bergen Street stop in Brooklyn, the train um, stopped and uh, we didn't start moving for another two hours that morning. Oh, no. And, yeah, the conductor kept on saying, oh, we're a thousand feet from Bergen Street. That's all I can tell you, like over and over and over again. Um, so I just thought that was a really, you know, <laughs> appropriate title for that tune. Oh, we didn't have reception underground. And, you know, nearly everyone except for Dan and Richie had to take that subway line to get to Brooklyn that day. Um, but luckily, Richie, the drummer, was in the studio already getting sounds on the drums. So it worked out in the end. So you weren't hours late for your own recording session? <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, I was a few hours late. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, in that time, I probably just would have been sitting around waiting for Richie to get drum sounds. So it was okay. <laughs> a bit scary, though. I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, a big part of recording with strings is uh, coming up with arrangements that mm -hmm. will work them into the jazz quartet context. Will you talk about arranging this record? Uh, yeah, sure. Actually, the arranger on the record is Steve Newcomb, who is a brilliant pianist and composer and obviously arranger. Who, and also from Australia, right? He's from Australia, yep. He's the head of the conservatorium in Brisbane. Um, but he also has spent a lot of time over in New York. I know he got his doctorate at the Manhattan School of Music. Um, but he's he's brilliant. He's I've known him for maybe 15 years now, and I, there's no option of getting anyone else for this project because he's just a beautiful writer. Yeah, I think he did a great job on the album. And what were you what were you looking for? Can you can you talk about uh, what, what did you tell Steve when you said, okay, here's here's what I want this record to sound like? Um, well, you know, that I actually gave him some ideas of the records that really inspired me to do this, which was Art Pepper's Winter Moon. I don't know if you know that one. It's a I do. Yeah. I love that record. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, but something that, you know, the strings can be interactive and not just there for the lush backing, which I also wanted in some points. But, you know, you can hear on a lot of the tunes that they really interact with me over the, some of the melodies. Um and it's – I wanted it to – yeah, I guess I wanted it to be really interactive um, rather than just, you know, a quartet and a string quartet. And they were actually in the room with us on the day. Um, we didn't overdub or anything like that. It was – we were all together in the same room, which I really loved. Uh, yeah, I didn't want it to be a separate thing. I wanted it to be just really making everything – you know, more beautiful and yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, there are definitely some string dates I've heard where you can tell that the soloist came in some number of weeks later mm -hmm. and recorded all of his or her parts and yeah. there's no organic connection. And uh, yeah, I think you made exactly the right the right choice. Yeah. So <laughs> what was it like being being in there on the day with, you know, all of these musicians and hearing these lush arrangements and, and really getting to play in that sound environment? Ah, it was a dream dream come true, really. I mean, it just it, it creates so many more levels with the strings and um, to have everyone around you at the same time. Yeah, I really – it was actually very inspirational and I, I just was pinching myself through the whole thing going, I can't believe I get to do this, you know. And the I really got very lucky with the string quartet, um, some of the best players in the city. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of Sarah Caswell. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so she she led the quartet and and hired everyone for me. Um, but we got a, another violinist called Joyce Hammond, who's on Miho's record, Miho Hazama, yep. her new record. Um, and a brilliant uh, violist called Lois Lois Martin, and a cellist called uh, Noah Hoffield, who they've all played on a lot of jazz records recently, uh, like Esperanzas and Fabians. Um, so I got really lucky with that. And I think uh, with that, we've mentioned everybody on the album except the bassist. Yeah, Linda O, uh, who everyone knows and is also on my first record. Yeah, she's she's the best. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Australian connections on this record, not surprisingly, I guess, right? Yeah. From production to arrangement to uh, some of the musicians. Exactly. Yep. The producer is Matthew Jodrell, who's a great trumpet player um, as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of Australian connections. Yeah, there's a pretty. I mean, the the more I start to realize it by meeting some of you, it seems like there's actually a pretty robust Australian community in the jazz world in New York these days. Definitely, yeah, we're taking over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, but there's yeah, there's a lot of us here, which is really nice. Yeah. And will have you or will you get a chance to to play this music with the string quartet? Uh, I'm hoping to do it maybe next year. Um, it just wasn't possible at the moment you know it just takes a long time to get the i guess the right venue and um but i i'm kind of aiming for next year which i'm sure will fly by and have you been back or will you get a chance to go back to australia anytime soon i'm actually going back next month for oh great so that'll be great yeah will you be doing shows while you're there or just hanging out with friends and family yeah, shows, um, doing some things in Brisbane at the Conservatorium there, and I've got a show later in the year at the Paris Jazz Club in Melbourne, so trying to do some playing there, which I haven't done for a while. Great. Well, the new record is Lady Luck. It's uh, it's really fabulous. I encourage everyone to check it out. Angela Davis, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I wish you all the best, and thank you again for your time. Thanks, Jason. music from Angela Davis. Thanks to Natalie, Emily, and Angela for being on today's show. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to today's show. And as you heard at the top of the show, they've got new recordings out, so please visit respectsextet.com for all that information. Thanks to Dave Rabel for creating the show's logo. If you're on Facebook, you can find The Jazz Session at facebook.com slash thejazzsession. You can find my comedy podcast at firstlaughs.com. I'm on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. Visit jasoncrane.org for poetry and essays, and if you need some freelance writing done, check out cranewrites.com. Thanks so much for listening. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz 
on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.